Thank you, Wesley, for those kind words of encouragement. Uh, I struggle with emotions sometimes, and so shame on you. <laughs> no. Um, look around this congregation, and what you see are a lot of young people. And look at the potential. Look at the energy. Look at the, the knowledge that is being passed on. And I tell you what, it, it is exciting. Um, young people just, I don't know what it is. I'm just a big kid, okay? So young people, I guess I, I feel a uh, kindred spirit with them. <laughs> uh, you know, for many, many years, after Paul and I were married, I yeah, um, I was just a farmer. And when when I was called to the ministry in 2003, we were desperately working away or working our lives away, basically, on the dairy farm. And uh, yeah, we we fought another column. And so we moved up to Sangerville. Built a house there closer to the church. And after we got our house done, well, we have one chicken house. So it's not a lot of work there. And I told the uh, told one of the guys, it was actually J.P. Campbell. He was on the school board at the time, my co-pastor. I said, uh, you know, I might enjoy teaching a Bible class or something if y'all ever need anything. Well, they... Somehow that fall ran into a need for a, for a teacher. Uh, well, it's actually 2006 and seven, I believe. And so they asked me if I would teach. And I, I wasn't too sure about that. And Paul and I talked about it, and we finally came to the conclusion, you know what? Uh, it's nine months. I think, I, think we can, I think we can weather that for just a little bit. But when I stepped into the classroom, boy, it was like, yeah, falling in love. So as I share this message this morning, I share as one that, you know, I don't have all the answers, but uh, I have lots of experiences. And I know that many of you all have lots of experiences, and probably some of you all have way more answers. And uh, usually it's the ones that don't have children that have lots of answers on how to raise children. Because I remember being in that spot. I remember when Paul and I were first married, it was just like, you know, why don't they just do something about those children making all that noise? Why don't they just do something? Well, I know what I would do. I'd take them to the woodshed. Well... Yeah, well, you soon learn that the woodshed is good for some and not for others. This morning's message to train up a child. Again, I come to you as one that is not accomplished, but someone that has had experiences. And so to talk about this is kind of makes me feel a little vulnerable. However, I think each one of us should have a little bit of that vulnerability in proverbs 22 6 it says 
Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So what I see in that is while there is life, there is hope. And so we try to teach our children as they are growing. And sometimes we see them go down a different path than what we would maybe deem ideal or what we would like for them to go. But we pray. Because while there is life, there is hope. This word train means to initiate or initiate discipline. The word means, in, I'm sorry, in the way it means a road trodden. It also means a course of life or mode of action. Training involves work. Training involves work. I remember the sign on our on the um, on the weight room at Turner Ashby High School, the one in Dayton. And I remember when we would go into that weight room to lift weights for track or baseball or whatever it was, there was a sign on that door and it said, no pain, no gain. And let me tell you something, it causes pain. Renee, she's just uh, ran up the steps of the grain tank the other day a couple of times and she said, oh, my legs burn. And I said, that's because... You're tearing down muscle and building back strength. You're tearing down and building up. No pain, no gain. And so when we want to gain something, oftentimes it involves some type of extreme effort. But sometimes it's not just about the physical pain, but it's talking about a sacrifice on our part as parents, as people that love our children. And I can imagine that if I were to talk to each one of you individually, I can imagine that you dearly, desperately love your children and want them to grow up to be faithful Christian people following Him as you have lived out your lives. But you know what? It's not just going to happen. It's not just a given. Because if there's no pain, there's no gain. And it's going to involve a lot of work on our part. In training our children, we should have a want-to thought pattern. I want to make a difference in my child's life. In this one, in this one. And each one, as you all know, each one of your children are so different in their personalities. And even in their reception of correction and discipline. And so each one, it's not just a cookie cutter. Oh, well, we did this with this one. This works. But it doesn't always work that way. At least it didn't for us. And maybe we're the odd people out. Maybe we're the, <laughs> maybe we're the oddballs. But I think that in many, many homes, we see pretty much the same pattern that each individual, each personality, each God-designed person is just different for God's glory. And we just need to shape that to glorify Him. Something that seriously causes me to think is this. We have an eternal being given into our care 
for a period of time to point them to God, to point them to Jesus Christ, to point them toward heaven. And we have that responsibility in our hands as parents that people should be a heavy, heavy weight on your shoulders. At least it is on, in, on my shoulders. The things that we do in discipline or even in lack of discipline, the way we live personally as parents, God has entrusted a never dying soul into my care. And boy, wow, that's sobering to me. We all know that the little adage, more is caught than taught. And when you hear your children say some of those phrases that you said and you're like, did he really say that? I know where he heard that. Yeah, more is caught than taught. God gave the children of Israel some pretty straightforward instructions. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I know this is the Old Testament, but if we look at Scripture, it is often line upon line, precept upon precept. It is often built upon the past, as I shared last night. And so some of the things you hear today, this evening, are going to be a little bit of a repeat and maybe building upon some of the things that I shared last evening in the message. In Deuteronomy 6, it says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded. I'm sorry. Let me start over again. These are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whether ye go to possess it. Okay? It says commandments, statutes, and judgments which God had given them to teach them that, he, that they might do them. Now I know that you have received instruction from parents in times past. I know that you have observed things from your parents in time past. Most of those things are positive good things. Some of those things maybe weren't always the greatest. And we tend to see the things that maybe are a little bit on the negative, but we catch and practice a lot of the good things. And that's a blessing. Verse 2 says, That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command thee, thou and thy sons and thy sons' sons, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Okay, looking at that verse, it says that you might fear the Lord thy God. What is your relationship with God the Father, with Jesus Christ the Son? Do you have that fear of a holy God? Do you have that responsibility that He has given you to live out this fear of God, the knowledge of God, to keep His commandments? We see in the New Testament, Jesus said, follow my, my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Because they're not that hard to do. And these were commanded. They weren't suggested. It says here, which I commanded thee. 
Okay? And then it says here, for you, for your sons, and for your grandsons, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. You know, one of the things that I've heard from another source in past years, and I don't know exactly where, where it originates. I'm thinking it was Paula's grandfather, but I'm not positive on that. And he made the comment, you don't know how you've lived your Christian life or your life until you see the fruits of your grandchildren. And I tell you, that is sobering to me. Because what we teach, we pass on. And are we passing on faith in Christ and living in obedience to His Word? But this is saying, which I command thee, not suggest, but which I command thee, thou and thy sons and thy sons' sons, all the days of thy life that thy days may be prolonged. It's going to give us length of life because in obedience there's peace. In turbulence, in, uh, in disobedience, there's a lot of turmoil going on in here and we know that stress shortens our lifespan. I have a plaque behind my chair that I think Paula gave me and it says something to the effect of grandpa like a dad with less rules. And you know that's very very true because our grandchildren come and you know they're in our home and we want them to listen while they're there. However, when their parents walk in the door, they're yours. You take them. You de you deal with them. thy sons and thy sons' sons all the days of thy life. And then verse 3, it says, Hear, o there, hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. Verse 3 says, Hear and observe to do it. And that means practice it first in your life, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily as the Lord of thy fathers, the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. I referred to the potential of the young people here to this morning. But look at the potential of the children in your own home. Look at the potential that God has to use that personality that God has given them, that He has given you charge to shape the potential that that has to impact someone for eternity. Verse 4, it goes a little more into detail. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And I want to say, I, fa I fall short here. I fall short here. And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. We read God's Word. We memorize God's Word. We practice God's Word. And hopefully, this lifestyle of godly living is going to come out. Not only of us personally, but it's going to be imparted to our children, to our spouse, to those that follow after in our churches and in our communities. And hopefully, that is going to be imparted to their children, your grandchildren. 
and it's going to be in their heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. This word diligently means to point intensively. It means to pierce. It means to prick or sharpen. It means to sharpen or wet, like you wet a knife blade. And, you know, we enjoyed hunting together, and we've seen some little scrawny little bucks, and we've seen some really nice bucks. And, you know, when we see those little scrawny things, we're like, <laughs> there's a little. But when we see something out of far away that is what we would call a trophy, we're like, did you see that deer? Or when we went to the Grand Canyon, you know, we saw lots of pictures of the Grand Canyon. But when we got out of our vehicle and walked to the edge of that expanse, it was like, wow. Can you imagine what this is? And it is to point intensively at. And sometimes we see a beautiful sunset. And it's like, wow, that is beautiful. Look at the sunset. And sometimes we see other spectacular things. And we often try to relate that to those that we are in contact with. We point intensively at and say, look at that. Are we doing that in faith, in Christ? Are we pointing to God the Father and saying, this is what God has done for me. Look at this. Verse 8, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Bind them for a sign upon thine hand. Now, what do you think that means? It means that they took the Word of God with them. It shall be a sign for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Something that is always ever with you and something that is before you. Verse 9, And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. In our home and in many other homes that we've visited, we see these little pictures and plaques and different things hanging on the wall. And often they have a Bible verse or they have a really nice saying or something that kind of alludes to the fact of Scripture or family or something like that. We post the things that are important to us. What is posted in your abode, in your dwelling place? What is posted in, maybe in pictures or notes in your Bible? What is posted on some of your platforms of messaging and things like that. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. And when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then it says, Beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. 
what do you have in this life that you didn't have to work for? There's been a whole generation of people and then some that have never experienced the pressures of the draft. And so, for a lot of years, there have been a number of men that have experienced the pressure of what happens if I'm called into service. And there were a generation of men and women that went into those difficult situations. And some fared very well because they were grounded in faith. They were accountable to their parents and to their churches. But there were a lot of men and women during that time that fell away from a lot of the things that they were taught. But we have many, many things. And we live in a land of affluence. We have money to burn. And I know that maybe not everybody has an excessive amount of money. But a lot of us, we have enough money to do whatever we want to do. Houses full of all good things which thou feelest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not. These were things that were valuable to those people in, in sustaining them. Vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. And when thou hast eaten and are full, then beware. We have so much in abundance. Let's not take it for granted, but let's remember God, the giver of every good and perfect gift. And not only does He give us material things, but we have been blessed with eternal things. Verse 13 says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shall swear by His name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. What other gods do we have by the world that surrounds us? Well, I don't have my cell phone in my pocket. I left it on the stand beside the bed. But I'm telling you folks, the temptation to carry that phone and have that thing with you at all times has become a great God in our society and in our churches. And I say that for myself. It has become a great temptation to look at my phone more than spend time in God's Word. And so I share that as I need your prayers because all of us have this availability let's not forget God ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are around about you for the Lord thy God as our brother read this morning David read this morning for the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted Him in Massa. Verse 17, Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies. Now, if you think about all of these verses that I've read thus far, how many of those verses have to do with you in teaching your children? 
And how many of those verses have to do with us actually doing it and living it? Well, most of it is focused on us. And then it's focused on putting that over to other people. It says, Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies and His statutes which the Lord hath commanded thee. And it's talking to these children of Israel, but God's Word is speaking to us today. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. And then it says, cast out all thine enemies. What is the enemy of your soul today? Well, we know Satan is the enemy of our soul. We know that for sure. But we also know that Satan is that roaring lion, but he also is that seducing, what I forget exactly how it says it. Say it again. Angel of light. Thank you, brother. He is the angel of light. And he is going to do anything possible to trip us up personally, spiritually, because it has an effect on the generations that follow after. We are to cast out all thine enemies from before thee as the Lord hath spoken. And verse 20 says, And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, This is where we were. And this is how God delivered us. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a deliverance? I'm thankful that God has rescued me out of that pit. Out of the miry clay. And when I was ordained, someone told me, share your testimony. Because that's where real people live. Share your testimony. And here it was saying, when your, when your son asks you, what does all this stuff mean? Share your testimony. You know, our children were little growing up and they would say, why? Daddy, what's this? Daddy, why? Well, why do we have to do that? And all of these things. But you know what? That's them sprouting those feathers. That's them gaining that knowledge. And that's them seeing what daddy, what mom believes. And then it's saying, does this line up? And often, very quickly, those around us can see whether our lives line up or whether they don't. And when they don't, there's some repair to be made. And that is often going back and saying, sorry. And they, this shared, they shared their testimony. It says, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Now, think about it. Something looking at something in awe. Looking at the Grand Canyon or looking at that big buck or looking at something else that you deem incredible. Now, what testimony would it have been to these children if this man and his son asked him, well, what does all this mean, Dad? And he was like, ah, it was no big deal. God just brought us out of Egypt. And yeah, I mean, we just walked through the Red Sea. It wasn't, it was no big deal. 
I mean, you know, we, we had to do it ourselves. But you know, it says that we are to look intently. And I can imagine that this testimony was not just to be a testimony shared in some ho-hum way. But it was a testimony that was to be shared with zeal, with excitement, because this is what God delivered them from. It says, And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, upon all his household before our eyes. And He brought us out from thence that He might bring us in to give us the land which He sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Do you teach your children? Are we teaching our children? Listen, this is for your good. God has your best interest in mind. It's not just what you have to do because the church says it. But this is a practical application of what God says in His Word. Let's do it with joy. And the Lord commanded us to do all these. To fear the Lord our God for our good always that He might preserve us alive as it is this day. Verse 25 says, And it shall be our righteousness. It shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commands before the Lord our God as He hath commanded us. What does God want us to do? He wants us to communicate. We were at a wedding one time many, many years ago and the pastor said the, that we are to practice the three C's. Three C's of life. Kate, I think that's what it was. And he said that is communicate, Communicate, communicate. The three C's of a good marriage, I think is what he said. Three C's of a good marriage. Communicate, communicate, communicate. And y'all know, I like to communicate. I like to talk. Sometimes that conversation is not always first and foremost on whomever I call to talk to. But I do like to communicate. God wants us to communicate with our children, not just because I said so, but because that's God. That's what God expects and wants from us. And communication is probably the biggest contributor in relationships. How can you understand or get to know someone better if you don't talk to them? If you don't communicate with them? And we do need to talk to our children, not just at them. And I understand we as parents do have authority, and I'll get to that a little bit later, but sometimes we need to talk to them, to communicate and hear what they have to say, listening as well as giving communication, giving some um, instruction. Different ways to communicate is spending time with them, whether it's at meals, work, play, going out and doing something, maybe even some individual attention as you're driving down the road, as you're doing something with them personally alone. For us, we really enjoyed spending time together around the supper table. Now that has kind of faded away as our children... Now we still eat supper together, the ones that are left. When they're not running off somewhere... 
But our favorite time of the day, when our children were all at home, was supper time. We talked about what was happening at school. We talked about what was happening in the youth, what we taught, what we needed to do on the farm, who said what or who did what. I mean, that was just, yeah, that was, that was when we could, you know, spread our wings just a little bit and then our brood would come in and we could kind of protect them, if you know what I mean. But, you know, they sprout their own wings and they fly away. And we're glad for that because we were able to do that. Our, grand, our parents were able to do that. Our grandparents were able to do that. And we need to give them that option to spread their wings. We need to do our job in teaching in the home and living out godliness. But then we need to give them the opportunity to move on. Communicate. But we also need to listen. We also need to live in obedience. Our life speaks louder than any other instruction we can give. If we're not obedient to God and His Word, how can we expect that of those that follow after. Verse 1 says, These are the commandments, Deuteronomy 6, verse 1, These are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them. God wants us to live it out first. God has set the standard and we need to live to His standard not just what the community or the church or anything else says, but we need to live according to His standard. However, I do appreciate that our churches have a certain amount of standards that give us some practical applications. In Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, he says that obedience is willing submission to one person to the, of, of one person to the authority of another. And that obedience is without challenge, without excuse, and is without delay. Obedience is willing submission of one person to the authority of another without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. And I asked my class just not so long ago, how many of them ever heard the phrase, um, delayed obedience is disobedience. How many of y'all have heard that phrase? Delayed obedience is disobedience. I never heard that phrase until I started coming to the Mennonite church. Never heard that phrase. And I was like, I never really thought about that. But there is some real truth in that that we need to establish in our lives first and then establish it in our children's lives and maybe those we come in contact with. God has established some responsibility for our children as well, and that is to submit to the authorities in our lives. So in Ephesians 6.1, and we'll be talking about this a little more, but children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, pay attention. I see some heads down. Children, listen. It says, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Do you want to do right? Well, I hope you do. All you got to do is listen. It's not that hard. Your parents want what's best for you. 
Just listen. It's not that hard. Ephesians 6, 2, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. And Colossians 3, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. It's not just pleasing to the parents that our children listen, but it is well-pleasing to the Lord. As parents, God has given us a certain amount of authority too. And I know that that word, that word authority, often brings straight arms. Like, ah, I'm not interested in authority. I'm not interested in somebody having authority over me. But God has given us as parents the authority first to love our children and then the authority to discipline our children and we need to do it for His glory. Not for our own personal desires and wishes, but for His glory. Can we be challenged like Abraham? In Genesis 18, it says, verse 19, For I know him, this was God talking about Abraham, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. Can God put your name there? Can God put your name there and say, I know that Davy will command his children and his household after me. Or after, yes. And they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment. That's a tall order, dads. But God has given us an opportunity to fill that order through His Word through the authority that He has vested in us. But we need to live it. No pain, no gain. Are we willing to go that extra little bit? Are we willing to sacrifice some of the things I want to do for our children, for my wife, for others? He has given us the responsibility, the authority, the opportunity to teach. But along with that teaching, he gives us some warning. Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And it says it twice in the New Testament. Colossians 3, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Why does it say that? Because men tend to deal with in a just way and ladies tend to deal in a compassionate way and so men sometimes we need to just control the justice that is within us and appeal to our wife to help balance us out because as I shared last night the two as one is a perfect picture of God if we follow God's design. God has given us the opportunity to love and discipline. And that love and discipline are like hand in glove. Hand in hand. Proverbs 22, verse, I'm sorry, Proverbs 13 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Proverbs 22:15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. 
And this word foolishness means silliness. And the word child means a boy or a girl from the age of infancy to adolescence. So who are we supposed to give direction to get rid of the foolishness? The child from the age of infancy to adolescence. The word rod, it means a stick for punishing or correction. And we need to be careful with the application of that. We need to, we need to make sure that the, the, the application is preceded with explanation and love. And the word correction means properly chastised. It means reproof. It means warning or instruction. It means restraining. It means discipline. It means teaching. And it also can carry a rebuke. Proverbs 29, verse 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. What is that saying? It's saying we continue. The rod and reproof give wisdom. Sometimes the rod may be needed. Sometimes just reproof will be needed. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And I'm going to share with you my opinion. I don't think that it is a good idea to send a child to their room alone, unsupervised. This is your punishment. Go to your room. Shut the door. I don't think that that's such a good idea. Because it says, A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Children need help. They need accountability in restoring their heart and their attitude. And if we send them off away from us, our supervision, our, their accountability, I think often it becomes a simmering pot that is not dealt with properly. But if we allow them to remain in our presence where there's accountability, where we can observe them, then I can see whether, then I think we can see whether that simmering pot is cooling down or where that simmering pot is heating up. We see in the Old Testament, Eli himself did not restrain his sons and they were wicked men. And they brought judgment and shame on themselves and on Eli. Proverbs 29 verse 17, Correct thy son and he shall give thee rest. Correct your son and your daughter. They're going to give you rest and he shall give delight unto thy soul. This correct means to chastise. And it actually means to chastise with some type of tool. But it also can mean to chastise with, wor with words. So, do you love your children? I do. I love our children. And because I love our children, sometimes they needed correction. Not always was that with a rod. But sometimes it was just correction face to face. Sometimes it was toe to toe. Sometimes it was other ways. 
But if you love your children, no pain, no gain. Be proactive. Get after it. Let's get it done. If we really don't care about the direction our children are going, just don't say a word. Just let them go. Because no restraint, they're going to go the way of the world. They're going to go the way of their own selfish ambitions and desires. They're going to go the way of not following God. So if you love your children, take the time. Go toe to toe. Stand your ground. Teach. And maybe correct as needed. The word beatest means to strike lightly or severely. And a tool of correction that is applied properly with love, with prayer, with explanation, it helps in several ways. It helps to, to remove the guilt that they have. It helps to restore a relationship. And I just remember as our children were growing, there were times where we had to apply some type of correction. And sometimes that was with a tool. But there were often times when that tool was applied, when love was shared, when the, the explanation and the prayer, whatever it was, they often came back and they wanted to sit on the person's lap that administered that type of discipline. We are blessed at that. They didn't always all work out like that, but for the most part. So it helps to restore or to remove guilt. It helps to restore a relationship. And it helps to establish the proper authority that God has ordained. But in all of this, it's going to take work. No pain, no gain. It's going to take sacrifice. And it's going to take time. But what better investment of time can we invest in than those that will be following after. Those that we hope to embark or to impart the torch of faith to take that to the future generations. Look at the generations that have gotten handed that torch of faith down to you. Praise God for that. God desires us to, tra to train up our children in the way that they should go. And let's diligently and with purpose seek to follow that path of Abraham commanding our children and our household in keeping the way of the Lord. May we be challenged to grow in our lives and proclaim Christ through the way we live, through our families. God bless you.